0: Welcome back everyone. I'm Tony Brown and you're listening to Firearms Cafe, the show where we discuss the philosophies of responsible firearms ownership, as well as the relevant issues and challenges that we face in the current gun culture. Well, hey everybody, what's going on? How are my fellow travelers doing? Today is Wednesday. It is the 7th of april 2021 and i am in the mobile studio i'm actually in the mall parking lot so you may hear the air conditioner going but it's about 88 degrees and if i have the windows down i think it would be a little bit too noisy and so you know it's right on that edge of being a little uncomfortable so you may hear the hiss of the uh, air conditioner but if i have like i said if i have the windows down there's too much traffic and stuff going by i think it'll be kind of too disturbing for the show. and I don't know if you heard that, but I'm getting a bunch of texts and uh, hopefully those won't keep rolling in. Anyway, let's go ahead and get our contact info posted and then we will jump in with the show. We actually have a little bit of good news as far as the firearms front goes on our constant battle with those who would seek to take away our ability to defend ourselves in the way that we see fit. So, on with the contact. I do have a voicemail, which is area code 206-745-2731. Or if you would rather write an email or record your own audio and send that, the address to get that stuff to me is firearmscafe at protonmail.com. All one word, firearmscafe at protonmail, spelled P-R-O-T-O-N-M-A-I-L dot com. If you go over to the website you'll find uh, my social media stuff and the little, little bit of stuff that i do i'm actually doing a little bit better with youtube i'm up to about 280 subscribers i didn't think i'd ever really get that high so for those of you that are listeners to this show or maybe even to my armed ape show and went over there and checked out my videos and if you liked them subscribed i appreciate it uh, it is a it is a way to support kind of the show and uh, doesn't cost you anything. Now, speaking of something costing you anything, if you do have some extra money floating around in your pockets, there is at the the website, excuse me, which is firearmscafe.com, a PayPal donation button. And if you click on that donate button, you can just follow the screen prompts and you can give me some of that unneeded money. But like I said, if you can't do that, that is fine. Uh, I would ask that maybe you go over to YouTube or just share the show if you think you know of anybody who would like it. So I think that's about it for our housekeeping stuff. So let's talk about some of the stuff that happened this legislative session here in Arizona. On our last show that I uploaded, I believe yesterday or maybe the day before, I can't remember when I uploaded it, we talked and went over some of the bills and things that were out there there's a few that are still there but i think most of them are kind of dead they either failed to you know get out of committee or you know failed to you know get a vote or this or that Uh, but there were quite a few things and and this happens every year that were very anti-gun things that would you know in private sales things that would require that there be a three-day waiting period things that uh, would require you to Uh, by law to store your ammunition and and, uh, firearms separate things that would prevent you from doing something as simple as loaning your firearm to a friend who either wanted to go hunting, which I have some neighbors that I've done that for that I had a a 20 gauge shotgun. They were going to go, I believe they were going to go dove hunting and the 12 gauge was just a little bit too much for his wife. She didn't, you know, she could shoot it fine, but it was just a little bit much. And she had never shot a 20 gauge before. So I loaned them my shotgun. This was a while back and she loved it. She, in fact, she, it's, it's a, a Mossberg, excuse, oh, good heavens. Get the marbles out of my mouth here and I can speak with you guys. It's a Mossberg 500 in 20 gauge and, uh, It's got the adjustable choke on there and everything. And like I said, I've had that thing since I was, uh, when did I get that? When I, did I get it for my 11th birthday? I think I did. I think that's when I got it. I can't, I used to know it was either 11th or 12th birthday, but I thought it was the 11th. So that lets you know that thing is almost like a, what do they call it? A curio and relic, but you know, that's one of the things about firearms. If you take care of them, you can hand those things down through multiple generations and especially, you know, things like uh, hunting, hunting guns, because generally you're not shooting those all that much. You know, it's not like an AR where you can shoot thousands of rounds. You're generally uh, and especially if this is a gun that you have, which sole purpose is hunting and it's not a skeet gun or a clays gun or something like that. But it's something that, you know, you primarily just use as a hunting, like, you know, for duck or geese or, you know, quail or pheasant or whatever. And uh, you're, you're generally not shooting just hundreds and hundreds of rounds through those every year so that a lot of those things have very low round counts through them. So as long as you just clean them and take care of them, and, you know, if like a spring goes bad here or there, you replace it. Uh, but especially something like a pump shotgun, where you're you're pretty much the, the, uh, the thing that cycles it is you. So you, there's not a whole lot of stuff on there to wear out. Some things can, of course. But again, like I said, most most hunting shotguns don't have just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of rounds through them. Uh, so anyway, kind of got distracted. But I was glad to be able to loan that to them. You know, it kind of, oh, sort of further cemented our our relationship as neighbors and friends and things like that. And uh, uh, you know, we, w- where we live, where I live, where my uh, family lives, we've actually lucked out. We've got really good neighbors all around us. There, you know, there's a few weirdos here and there, but for the most part. Even the neighbors, I guess I shouldn't call them weird, but we've got a couple of neighbors and they just kind of keep to themselves, but they don't they don't not cause any problems. You know, they're not Karens or anything like that. So even the people that keep to themselves are friendly enough when you see them and everything. And in fact, what's funny is there's a guy that, there's actually a couple of families that moved in during the sort of the pandemic or right when all this stuff kind of started. And I haven't been able to go down and talk to them. I'll wave to them and stuff like that when I see them, but I haven't been able to go down really and sort of done a proper introduction. And uh, now that our numbers here are are really going down and you know, it's funny. Some people are with this thing. It, it doesn't matter if you say, Oh, the, you know, look, the numbers are down and they're like, Oh, it's just a dip. They're going to go back up. And uh, you know, some people that look at those numbers, and I don't know. I think they've gotten used to sort of how things are, and they they're. And I can understand it. The virus, if you get it, and I know a lot of people say, "Oh, well, everybody recovers." But for some people, if you get that, and if you're in one of the categories where you have some respiratory problems already, and if you get that, man, it can mess up your lungs quite a bit. And in fact, I. I Uh, we knew some people that got it now granted they were older and they unfortunately passed away but I also have a friend who he has a lot of respiratory issues and it is it's hard enough for him just daily stuff but he is terrified of getting it because for him it could it could really be a devastating a uh, series of events for him if he got that. But anyway, we, we're not here to talk about that stuff. But, uh, so, uh, like I said, the numbers are, are going down. So I, the, our state, like Arizona, I like mentioned before where I live is pretty much a hundred percent open. Now there still are a lot of businesses that say, Oh, please. Fare well, well, ugh, good heavens. Again, get those marbles out in my mouth there are several businesses that still have the sign that say, please wear a face mask. I've actually been able to start to go back to the gym. They don't require it. They said, Oh, if you want to Now the employees still have them. And I was talking to one of the guys there and he's like, yeah, you don't have to wear it. But it's funny because I think a lot of people aren't willing to go back to the gym just yet it's not very crowded so a lot of times this past couple weeks when i've been up there there's only there's been maybe five to ten people total in this huge uh rec center area on the upstairs part so and it's you know it's funny we are sort of creatures of habit generally and and people you know have work schedules and things like that and generally the way that the time that I went to the gym before all this stuff happened was I would drop my daughter off at school and then I would go to the gym after that. So I was always getting there at a pretty consistent time. And so you see sort of the same people that are there and you get to know those people and kind of get to be friendly with them. And some people are people that are either retired or they maybe work in the afternoon or they have their own business so they can sort of do their own type of schedule, that type of thing. Uh, So, anyway, long story short, I uh, am starting to see some of those people are returning, and it's nice to see them. It's nice to sort of reconnect with some of my gym buddies and uh, my gym friends and everything like that that I've made over the years that I was going there. In fact, on the Facebook thing, I think I posted a deal of just me on the elliptical just looking out. Uh, But anyway... All this stuff to say that that things are getting back to normal, uh, whatever that means, I guess. And it will be interesting to see what happens once more and more states kind of open up. So again, Arizona, is there's really no restrictions. There's no mandates or anything like that. Uh, Again, certain businesses, certain cities may say, oh, we'd prefer blah, blah, blah. But from, and I don't know how much the state preemption laws would cover somebody if they didn't want to wear a mask inside somewhere. But I see people at restaurants. I see people uh, the malls and things uh, are starting to get more people. You know, you're driving around, you're seeing more people eating in restaurants and things like that. So hopefully things will kind of get back to normal for us. I am curious too to see when, the, um, when this ammo and gun shortage thing is going to kind of end. Uh, and we'll talk about some of that stuff, and what's going on. We'll talk about, uh, you know, are we going to see things like the BLM and those type of protests? Are they going to come back? Uh, especially if the George Floyd trial doesn't go the way that they think it should, our, our city going to burn. Uh, are we going to see those type of things? Uh, with Antifa um, and even, you know, even maybe far right stuff. Although it seems that for whatever reason, the far right stuff kind of got smashed, but we'll see, you know, all, all this stuff has to, uh, uh, to sort of go through the process and everything. And, uh, a lot of it is just kind of conjecture on, Oh, you know, what's happening. So we won't know till we know type thing. So I think I'd mentioned, at the start of the show, that we did get some good news and that there were several bills that were good and several bills that were bad. And I go over to the Arizona Citizens Defense League, to their website, and they have a, a bill monitoring where they monitor bills. Now they're not monitoring every single bill, but they monitor the ones that have to do with us in gun world and on the sixth, which was yesterday, our governor, who is Doug Ducey, signed. I guess the title of the bill. Well, the bill number is Arizona House Bill 2111, and in the last show I had spoke about this. And the title of it is Second Amendment; semicolon unenforceable federal laws. So again, that was signed by the governor yesterday. And the summary of it, and this is the summary, not the probably the summary that's actually on the bill, but this is just the summarization that Arizona Citizen Defense League did, AZCDL. And so I'll read that. It said, pursuant to the sovereign authority of Arizona and Article 2, Section 3 of the Arizona Constitution, the state and all political subdivisions, i.e., agencies, counties, cities, etc. are prohibited from using any personnel or financial resources to enforce, administer, or cooperate with any act, law, treaty, order, rule, or regulation of the United States government that is inconsistent with any Arizona law regarding the regulation of firearms what does that really mean? And when they say things, and this is stuff that's basically coming from the federal government. So if we entered into a treaty with the UN saying that we're going to get rid of, you know, ARs and AKs, if, if uh, that would be unenforceable in Arizona. Now this is with the caveat that this, just because this is on the books, doesn't mean that it's ironclad. But if Biden, the administration, let's say, did executive orders, or if the filibuster goes away, which I don't know if it's going to, but if the filibuster goes away and they were able to ram through, let's see, excuse me, let's say, uh, federal bans on magazines over ten rounds, if there were federal bans on semi-automatic firearms. If they said, well, if it's semi-automatic rifle, no matter what it is, you got to turn it in, Uh, or if it's if it takes a detachable box magazine, you got to turn it in, or you can't have that anymore. In theory, that would go against Arizona current Arizona gun laws that say, well, so it's not illegal for you to possess those things in the state. So the federal government can't come in, and this would probably be under stuff like the uh, what is it, Tenth Amendment that basically uh, says if if it's not strictly and concisely written out in the constitution that the federal government has the authority to do this stuff, then that reverts all those laws and all that authority reverts back to the state or to the people. Meaning that, uh, you know, well, anyway, we don't need to go too far down in the weeds on that, but basically it does offer some type of protections. You could call it, I guess sort of like it's a sanctuary state sanctuary Second Amendment sanctuary eh, sanctuary laws, you know however you want to determine. It. I don't know. I don't know if push came came to shove, what would happen. It basically just says that they're prohibited. And then now this was in the summary, so I don't know if there are if there are penalties, if they say oh you would be. Uh, so let's say that the the feds are going to say you can't have, uh, we'll just keep it simple. Something like, um, 30 round magazines. It has to, it can only be 15 and you're out at the gun range and there happens to be an ATF agent there. And he sees that you've got five P mags, 30 round P mags. And then he arrests you or wants to arrest you or something and you're, or, or calls up the city the local, the local cops and says, Hey, you got, can you guys come down and back me up on this? I want to, you know, take this guy in. In theory, local law enforcement wouldn't be able to do that. Now, I don't know if there would be any penalties. So if, if there's stuff that says, Oh, and if you are local, then you lose all qualified immunity. You, you know, can be liable. You personally, not only your department, but you, you You know, Officer Jones are going to be personally accountable and and civilly accountable for damages. And this guy can sue you for, you know, 10 million dollars or whatever he wants because you're infringing on uh, on his state protected. His individual rights that are state protected. So I don't know. So we'll have to see. And I don't know if the federal government wants to really push stuff, at least at this point in time when there would probably be a lot of uh, pushback and there may be some of the, some of our local sheriffs out here and some of the local police chiefs and some of our local mayors may say, well, we're not going to do this. This is, you know, we're going to get behind this guy and we're going to go to bat for him. You know, we'll send a detail out to his house. And when the feds come to try and get him, you'll have the sheriff's there or you'll have, you know, uh, Phoenix PD or whatever there to protect them. Would that ever happen? Boy, I don't know. <laughs> that would be kind of a long shot. Um, a lot of states are so dependent on the flow of money that comes from the federal government. And that's some of the stuff that some of the, that the states need to do is they need to get to where they are, that financially they don't, they aren't beholden to the federal government. Will that ever happen? I don't know. It would, it would require a lot of political will and it would require, mm, I don't know. I don't know how you would do it uh, at this point without causing, without it sort of being almost political suicide for somebody. But, uh, anyway, Uh, you know what I should do? I should take a real quick break here and I should look up and read to you guys what Article 2, Section 3 of the Arizona Constitution actually says so that we're all on the same page. So let me do that here real quick. Alright, so I'm back. This will be a little bit lengthy but it won't be too bad. Uh, This is... Article 3, section, or Article 2, no, Section 2, Article 3, I think that's what we're looking at, of the the Arizona State Constitution. So what it says, it starts out, it says, The Supreme Law of the Land, authority to exercise sovereign authority against federal action, use of government personnel, and financial resources. Section 3A, the Constitution of the United States is the Supreme Law of the Land, to which all government state and federal is subject be to protect the people's freedom and preserve the checks and balances of the united states constitution this state may exercise its sovereign authority to restrict the actions of its personnel and the use of its financial resources to purposes that are consistent with the constitution by doing any of the following one passing an initiative or referendum pursuant to Article 4, Part 1 of Section 1, passing a bill pursuant to Article 4, Part 2 and Article 5, Section 7. Number 3, pursuing any other available legal remedy. See if the people or their representatives exercise their authority pursuant to this section. This state and all political subdivisions of this state are prohibited from using any personnel or financial resources to enforce, administer, or cooperate with the designated federal action or program. So, uh, again, basically what it says, it doesn't really list out kind of what the penalties are. They, they may be listed in some of these other things, um, but I don't know if I want to go too far down in there. So again, that was Article 2, Section 3, which was mentioned before. Um, I'm seeing if there is anything else in Article 2 as far as it has to do with, um, with firearms. And I can tell you what that stuff says. All right, so Article 2, Section 26 of the Arizona Constitution. So again, Article 2, Section 26, entitled Bearing Arms. This is what it says. Section 26, the right of the individual citizens to bear arms in defense of himself or the state shall not be impaired. But nothing in this section shall be construed as authorizing individuals or corporations to organize, maintain, or employ an armed body of men. So I guess that means that you, as an individual, your rights cannot be, your gun rights really can't be taken away. Uh, if you were, pri- I don't know what that means as far as for militias here in the state. And I don't know, and I I think militias would probably have to go under the, which I think is how it's always been, would would have to go under the uh, auspices of maybe the sheriff of whatever county you're in. Um, Let me see if I can find that here, if it has anything about militia. All right, so Article 16, there are three different sections. And Section 1 is about the composition of a militia. It says, The militia of the state of Arizona shall consist of all capable citizens of the state between the ages of 18 and 45, and those of between said ages who shall have declared their intention to become citizens of the United States residing therein, subject to such exemptions as now exist or may hereafter be created by the laws of the United States of this state, or of this state. Uh, so, I don't know. Composition and delega- uh, designation of the militia. Uh, so section 2, the organized militia shall be designated the National Guard of Arizona, and shall consist of such organized military bodies as now exist under the laws and territory of Arizona, or as may hereafter be authorized by law. So, conformity to federal regulations. Let's take a look at that, which is Section 3. said, The organization, equipment, and discipline of the National Guard shall conform as nearly as shall be practical to the regulations for the government of the armies of the United States. So, I guess that means maybe like command structure and things like that. So, I don't know... If under section 16 of the Arizona Constitution, it seems like what they're saying is that the state militia is the Arizona National Guard, and if you wanted to be, I don't, I guess, considered in there, I don't know. I mean, part of generally, though, that would not be what the founding fathers would have considered to be this the, the uh, your state militia from my understanding and I, I may be mistaken on this but from my understanding the way that it i think was originally set up is that you had the militia was was to be formed and it was the same thing i think it was from age 17 to maybe 45 or so was the age limit that they had and everybody who was an able-bodied citizen at the time it would have been man it wouldn't have, they wouldn't have included women it would have only been men would have been part you you would have as part of your citizenship of that state and uh, and to maybe a larger extent as part of the defending the United States I guess at the time but primarily I think it was more of a state issue you would it would be organized and then you would actually have officers and leaders and those people would report either to local sheriff or something like that. And the reason that would they would maybe report to the sheriff is because the sheriff had been elected by the people. It wasn't a government-appointed position. Again, all this stuff is sort of in theory. So I don't know. You know, in Arizona, it seems like you are not allowed. So if we go back and we look at... Article 2, if I can get this thing up. Section 3. So again, in looking at this, and maybe if, if somebody out there knows specifically, maybe I, my interpretation is wrong. So if we go and look at, again, under Bearing Arms, Section 26 of uh, Article 2 of the Constitution, it's basically saying that... Nothing in this section shall be construed as authorizing individuals or corporations to organize, maintain, or employ an armed body of men. So I don't know if that means it says nothing is... is that if you formed your own militia that it would be protected under the laws of the state of Arizona. I think that's what that means. I don't think there is anything they're saying that you couldn't form your own militia. It just says the right of an individual citizen to bear arms in defense of himself or the state shall not be impaired. And again, you have to understand, you know, ask well, what does impaired mean? And, you know, I don't know. Maybe this stuff is kind of a little too deep and it's uh, uh, a little too much down the rabbit hole, I guess I should say. But it says, but I don't know. That says nothing in this section shall be construed as authorizing individuals or corporations to one organize, two maintain, or three employ an armed body of men. So even if a group of us got together and organized a militia and maintained it, and even and if we said, well, we don't pay anybody; it's all volunteer. Uh, again, I don't. No, I think all that means is that hmm, that you wouldn't have maybe state authorization or state protections legally or, or civilly if you did that and then somebody in your militia group did something. Would you all be liable for it, that type of thing? Uh, so anyway, if anybody out there knows or has... And I'll, what I'll do maybe, too, is take another break and kind of look it up and see what I can find out. But uh, if anybody maybe knows for sure, at least in it for, for Arizona, or maybe even it's in your own state, you know, what are some of the laws about being part of a militia? Uh, does your state consider the National Guard to be that uh, or not? So what let's do, let's go ahead and let's sort of take... A, uh, a little different track here and what we'll do is we'll all just go over real real quick some of those bills that were um, that kind of died off here let me go to the tracking thing here again all right so I'm back over at the AZCDL site So uh, bills that died were a bill that was going to require a three-day waiting period and would make you a, it would be a violation that would be a class six felony. So that died. Uh, Let's see. Another one that died was, this was the thing that would make it a class five felony to transfer uh, firearms. You had to go through an FFL dealership. So you basically, it ends private sale. And it was again, so broadly worded that if you gave your if I just gave my a shotgun or something to my daughter and said, this is yours now, or to a cousin or family member or brother or something like that, then that you could, and it would be a classified felony, you, know, you could be a felon for doing that. That died. The thing about the, I guess you would call medical intrusion, where they're going to lecture you about if you own guns, how you need to store them, uh, that doctors would have to do that, doctors and nurses, uh, and nurse practitioners involved in pediatric services so again it's always this thing of you know let's think of the children type deal that died red flag laws got got the axe bump stock possession or any or any part combination of parts component device attachment or accessory that is designed or functions to accelerate the rate of a rate of fire of a semi-automatic rifle so that could be pretty much anything Uh, that failed uh ffl's getting stuff that failed i think i don't know if this is done yet or not there was a thing about ccw holders could go on to state and local government controlled property while armed i don't think that's going to go anywhere um there was a right now i guess if firearms are seized, they can't be destroyed by the government. Uh, that failed. They were going to try and repeal that. That failed. There was a, uh, another transfer bill that basically called if you were selling stuff that you were, it uh, was calling it that you were trafficking in, in firearms. Also, it was going to limit your availability to purchase a firearm to one per month and it would and you would also have to report anybody who bought multiple firearms in a 90-day period to the local law enforcement so again if you went in and you said well i can only buy once a month and you say okay i'm going to buy an ar this month next month i wanted to buy this Glock 19 and the month after that i wanted to buy a shotgun because i'm going to start doing three gun." well they're going to report you to the cops Also, there was going to be visual and audio recording of sales and maintaining of a database of the guns that that were going to be bought and sold, you know, by, again, this would have to go through an FFL person. So that, you know, again, it was, that's, you know, what we talked about before is a lot of times they just throw everything at the the wall to see if it'll stick, uh, even if they know none of it's going to happen. But, uh, you know, maybe they could get part of it when stuff gets rewritten or goes through different committees. That failed uh there was another one that failed about basically you get you could get fined a thousand dollars if you didn't have your firearm and ammunition stored the way that the government wanted stored. There was a thing I think that expanded what a prohibited possessor would mean in Arizona that kind of died uh, and there was a couple of things there was a a couple of house bills that were basically doing the same thing um there was one that it's kind of odd because I think it's already sort of happens this way is it was going to require surrendering of a CCW permit as part of criminal sentencing or being the subject of protection orders. And generally if now, maybe it's the, just the subject of it. I don't know. Generally, if you have orders of protection against you, or and i don't i can't remember because i know sometimes in messy divorces spouse a or spouse b will get an order of protection against the other one knowing that they may have to turn in guns or they may not have to they may not be allowed to have them until that stuff gets resolved and again i'm not 100 percent sure usually with with and again with criminal sentencing who knows what that means uh could it mean that you 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 were going twenty miles over the speed limit, and then you got, which is criminal speed, and you got sentenced to something. So now they're going to make you turn in your CCW uh, for basically a traffic violation. Uh, you know, I, I don't know, but anyway, that thing died. On some of the pro stuff that died, there was a thing about like you couldn't discriminate against a firearm entity that was selling stuff. You know, having to do with that thing died, there wouldn't be any protection. Now there's something I don't know. I don't know if it's died yet or not. And I don't know if this is going to happen, but it was remove the requirement that a firearm must be unloaded when secured in a vehicle on school grounds, Uh, which would mean like we talked about before, let's say you pull up, you're going to, you've got your gun with you and you're going to go watch your kid in a play or a, a concert or something. And let's say that in your vehicle, you have an actual gun safe or a way to actually, Secure it. They want you to unload it, which basically means you're having to mess around with it. Um, I don't know. I I think that what that might do it, depending on what the, what they mean by what their definition of secured means. And this would be kind of one of those baby steps. That if that happens, it may be a thing of oh, you know, you can have your firearm with you if you got a CCW permit, um, and if you've you know, maybe you can go on school property, but you can't go into the building. So you could go to a game or something like that and watch your kid play football or basketball. Uh, but again, this is all just kind of future conjecture of things that could happen as far as baby steps. So I think is it in Utah? I think Utah is one of the states where you can carry on school grounds if you've got a CCW. I think, and who knows? Even in Arizona, they could, you know, maybe require a different program that you would go through and get certified under to to show that you knew what what's what being on a school ground i don't know the whole school ground thing is boy that's going to be a tough sell and uh, i i think it may happen out here eventually it'll probably go to colleges first and then it will trickle down to uh, k through five type things uh and just looking through this just more stuff that um a lot of this a lot of these things again are kind of repeats of of stuff that's going on, they're just maybe rewarded a little bit differently. So they'll get different names. Uh, there was a thing that would nullify the no duty to retreat in Arizona. You don't have a duty to retreat. So again, if somebody breaks into your home or is trying to carjack you, or let's say you're in a mall and somebody starts shooting and they're coming towards you, you don't have to run away. You could in theory sort of this, like your stand your ground stuff. Again, the Senate bill, which did the same thing as uh, house bill 2111, uh, that was the thing that proposes that any act, law, treaty, blah blah blah, uh, would be unenforceable. Unenforce, unenforceable. There we go in Arizona. Uh, but again, that one failed. But 2111 went through. Now this is one that they supported that I, but I didn't agree with. It was reduce hunting and fishing license fees for military veterans, and allow the transfer of veteran-held permits or tags to someone taking wild, wildlife on behalf of a veteran. Uh, and so what that would mean maybe is if, if that person was disabled, couldn't shoot, couldn't hunt, couldn't get around, uh, that, you, that that person, so person A, who's disabled, could give their license to person B, and you could hunt uh, basically for them. Which I think, why should that only be for veterans? Why shouldn't that be to anybody? So if I am in a wheelchair or something like that and I can't get out to go on an elk hunt, why shouldn't I be able to give that to my friend? He goes out and they are able to hunt and then bring that back for me. I don't understand why you have to, again, this goes back to the, the stuff of me. I don't, and it's the principle of the thing. I don't think that you should use legislation to create a privileged class in society. So either we're all equal, so we would all be able to do that. And look, if, if something, like let's say if, if Walmart, right? If Walmart won, and this is the argument I'd made before. If, if let's say that, we'll just use a random number. So let's say a hunting license is $35. And then to get elk, you know, like an elk tag or something like that is another $60, let us say. I have no idea if even that's how it works. But, so let's, we'll... We'll pretend that that's how it works for today. So let's say that Walmart says, "Oh, you know what? If you're active duty or you're a former former veteran, or if you were disabled because of your serving in the military, what we'll do is it's still going to cost thirty five dollars, but we'll pay fifteen of that, and we'll and you'll and we'll give your your elk tag. We'll pay five dollars of that. So we'll pay." of your $95 tag and and we Walmart will absorb that cost. The, The government still sort of gets whatever they want. I don't have any problem with that or if Dick's Sporting Goods or, you know, other places like that, I don't, that doesn't bother me at all. But again, to say that the government is going to legislatively create a special class and even if you say, Oh, you know, it's not that big a deal, but you know, again, if it's okay to do that, why isn't it okay then that if you're a former military or if you're a police officer, if you're in the fire department, why don't you get subsidized by the government then, or meaning the taxpayers that you don't have to pay interest or something on your house, you just pay, you know what I mean? So anyway, hope that makes sense. And again, another one that was, was failed. Was going to exempt active duty military veterans, police officers, current or retired from CCW permit fees. Again, why does somebody who is, again, you're using legislation to make a specialized and privileged class that somebody like me can't get. And I don't know, maybe in theory, because I was used to be a probation officer and retired from there. Can I, would I fall under that? And some people would say, well, policemen, sure, or military, sure, but a probation officer, no way. <laughs> you know, So I don't know. Um, but anyway, I would disagree with it even if I was included under it. Now, another one, I, I like this one. I don't know that it went through. I don't see any up, really updates on it. But there was a bill that would classify ammunition and firearms-related businesses as essential during a state of emergency. Now the reason you would want clarification on that is that a lot of times depending on what governor comes in, a lot of times they certain states have things that say if the if a state of emergency is declared, there is a moratorium on buying or selling firearms or ammunition and some even say even firearms related products so magazines, uh, even barrels, things like that so. Uh, I'd like to see that kind of codified for us here out in Arizona. Uh, And, you know, that's another one died was going to make it make you uh, you would be held criminally liable if a minor could get access to your firearm. Again, this would would how would they ever know unless something actually happened? There was an accident in the home, that type of thing. Or it could be a thing that maybe your kid gets a hold of your gun and then takes it to school or takes it to a mall and shoots up the place. And then what they're going to do is hold you responsible for their act, uh, which I disagree with. Uh, Again, some more storage stuff. Uh, And that died. Okay. Now, here's one that I liked, but I don't think it's ever going to happen because the local state people don't want to give up power. This was Senate Bill 1658. It it failed uh, failed to meet the February 19th committee hearing deadline, but it would codify, so in Arizona, it would codify your right to keep and bear arms under the Arizona Constitution and prohibit impairment of that right by the legislature, the state, and any agency or political subdivision. So basically that would mean like you, if you lived in Phoenix, that in Tucson, they can't say, um, so, well, so let's say you live in Phoenix and they say it's okay for you to own an AR-15. And then in Tucson, they say, no, it's not. You can't own an AR-15 here. So again, that kind of goes to some of the state preemption stuff. But again, when they start limiting the legislature, I don't know that the legislature is going to vote to really limit themselves too much. They'll, they'll vote a lot of times to limit the federal government, but they're not going to do a whole lot of stuff that's going to limit their own exercise of power. But anyway, that that uh, I'd like to see that come back, uh, because that would be something where you could actually have standing. You could go into court and say, look, uh, you know, there's uh, the, the face of the um, of politics has changed here in Arizona. And people who are anti-gun now have a majority and they're trying to pass all this stuff. But under the state constitution, you can't do that to me. And also under the, the, um, United States constitution, I have the right to keep and bear arms. So I think that would at least give you a leg to stand on where in some other states you wouldn't. Uh, And I think that's kind of about it. And most, most things are just kind of repeats of some of the stuff that we've talked about before. Uh, There may be a couple other things in there, but eh, you know, nothing major. So uh, again, out of All those bills, tons of them that were bad, tons of them that were good. It looks like there might be one that's going to make it through, which is good. You know, don't get me wrong, but especially with the way that the face of the state is changing politically here, we've had a huge influx of people from California. And I know a lot of times people say, oh, that's not that big a deal. But when you get a couple hundred thousand people that are coming in who are primarily going to vote Democrat, that's when you see things like we're getting the cinemas and we're getting the Mark Kellys, we're getting these Democrats that are going and representing us in the, uh, in the United States Senate, where before that probably wouldn't have happened. Uh, so it will be like, and like I've mentioned before, it will be interesting to see kind of what happens. A lot of times people that come over uh, from California, they end up, it's the same a little bit with Texas. A lot of people will come, they will come out here, they'll go out to Texas, to other states, and they don't last there very long. They stay there about maybe two to five years and then they move back or they move to a different state where the laws are more to their liking. So we shall see. Anyway, I think I am going to... Oh, you know what? I was going to call it to a close, but I, it just popped into my head. I remember... On last show, I talked about that I had the Stern Defense Magwell adapter and that I had reached out to Stern Defense. I had tried calling them a bunch of times. No way to leave a voicemail, no way to leave any messages. I sent them a couple of emails through their, through their contact form. So it's how they want you to contact them. Didn't hear anything back. Not even a confirmation that they got my email. Nothing. Uh, so... We'll see. I guess I'm just going to be on my own. I'll, I'll try and take that Magwell adapter apart. I'm disappointed in, in Stern Defense. That thing, I think I paid around $160. It was either, it was between 150 180 I can't remember off the top of my head for that. You know, so it's not a cheap purchase. Some people will say, ah, eh, you know, it's under 200 bucks. What's the big deal? But I could have put that money towards a different system or a different dedicated lower now i i've talked about before why i kind of went that route at the time but i'm i'm really disappointed and especially when at, at a time like this when there is oh maybe a, a need for sort of unity and and taking care of your own in the firearms community i guess to, but to not even have a way to where i can actually get a response from them and look i've called and i've emailed other companies with questions or with concerns about things and they get back with to me with usually within a business day i've had some things where i've sent stuff in the morning and that afternoon somebody is talking with me because i always include a phone number and say you can text me you can call me you can email me back here you know at this email address nothing so what i will do the 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 actual adapter isn't anything that's a super giant, you know, it's it's got a lot of, I was going to say, it's not really complicated, but that's not true. It's got a lot of design elements in it, but it's not that complicated for you to be able to take it apart and look and sort of see how it works. Uh, So what I am going to do, and I'll do a video of this and put it up on YouTube. I'm going to go ahead and just dig into it and see if I can figure out what happened. If not, uh, what I will do is I'll just I'll send them an email every single day until somebody contacts me uh, if, if, if there's no way I can fix it. And like I said, in, bo- in the emails that I sent, I was like, hey, even if it's just something where you send me a spring or an extra lever, I can put it in. I, you know, I don't have to send it back to you type thing. And to be fair, it actually it does work as far as feeding and injecting. So it, it, the, the magazines will run in it. It's just that that bolt hold open feature, which is a thing that they tout, it no longer works. So I think there's a linkage. That linkage that goes when the follower comes up, it pushes this lever. And that lever is supposed to, I think, um, interface or interact with some other thing in there. And that pushes up a bolt catch that's actually in the in the adapter itself. So eh, we'll see. Or if it was a thing where they said, hey, you got to file down your bolt catch on your rifle or something like that, I'd say, okay, well, we'll, you know, we'll see. So anyway, uh, I will let you guys know. Like I said, uh, if I I do actually hear from them, I'll let you guys know. But I'm not counting on hearing from them. I'll try and take it apart, see if it's a thing that I can fix. If I can't, I will, like I said, keep contacting them. I'm, I've had it, I think, too long that I'm out of maybe warranty. I don't know if they do a lifetime thing on uh, just defects or if it just fails. Uh, it wasn't used in a manner that was not how it was prescribed. Uh, and, you know, the funny thing is, is I talked to them before about the ejector problems I had. And what they wanted me to do was send in the bolt and have the bolt cut. And I I was like, "eh, well, you know, I'll try a couple other things first. And what I did is I just filed down the ejector a little bit and that gave it the clearance that it needed. So anyway, this will be the wrap up. So, all right, guys, I am going to jump in here real quick. I'm going to edit this in right before the very end, right before I do the outro. But I did see some stuff on what Biden was talking about. Today is the, uh, it's Thursday, it's the 8th of April, 2021. And I am in the mobile studio. So if I do a little bit of, little bit of starts and stops and uh, you hear some road noise, that's what that is. So anyway, a lot of people were thinking that Biden was going to do executive orders. And I don't think that's what he did. What they talked about was executive action which are basically strong suggestions from the, from the president. It looks like what he's going to do on certain things is he's going to try and do an in-run around Congress because I don't think he's going to be able to get the stuff sort of ramrodded through that he wants in the areas where he can make progress or can make inroads, he's going to do it through the bureaucratic process. So he will use whatever agencies are under his control. So he's going to look for the ATF to be used. So let's, uh, let's talk first about the thing that he said that he wanted the most. And this is the thing that I don't think he's going to get. And he talked about that, well, first of all, his his the parts of his speech that I heard were filled with just wrong information or something that maybe had one grain of truth in a bucket full of sand type thing. Uh, you know, so he could say, well, there was a study done back his on gun control, and that's the only thing that he's saying that was truthful, and then everything else he says is a lie uh, or is so disingenuous in its representation that it might as well be one. So anyway, he had talked about that there's no other entity that has immunity from getting sued. Well, there's lots of immunity uh, entities that have immunity. Most of them are government agencies or most of them have the protection of the government. So if, if we look at whether you think the vaccines are a good thing or a bad thing is, is not the point here. But if you look at some of these pharmaceutical companies, they have deals where they can't get sued. If you look at certain companies that contract with the government, they have deals that say that they can't get sued. And what he's wanting to do is he's wanting to take away sort of the immunity that the gun manufacturers have. And and if you don't know what that is, basically, it's a law that says, look, these guys make a product. And if somebody misuses willfully misuses that product and it causes harm or death to another individual, then that manufacturer really can't be held liable for it. It would be the same exact thing if you went and filled up a bucket with gasoline and then poured it over somebody and set them on fire. Well, you can't sue the bucket manufacturer because they knew there was a possibility that somebody might use it. You can't sue the people that are making the gasoline because they knew, well, yeah, people have made gas bombs and people have burned people up with gasoline. And we know that's a possibility, but you know, it's still out there. So it, it's the same thing. Uh, and again, part of the... The reason why I don't think this will ever go through is because there are it it would open the door and set a precedent precedent excuse me of other companies that are out there where they they would lose that immunity and you know again for him to say oh you can't sue this and you can't sue that uh, it, it's just not true uh, that there are no other things that, that you can't get sued. And, and gun manufacturers can get sued if they if they put out a faulty product, and that's again he's not saying that stuff. Uh, so anyway, it's saying well you can't basically the law. What the law states is it says you can't sue this company because a third party willfully used this product. Um, oh, willfully used this product to harm somebody else or to, you know, to to cause, uh, you know, the death of somebody else. Anyway. So now let's say though that it was that they were able to get that, that that was passed. And all of a sudden the gun manufacturers were open to lawsuits. It would in effect be the end of any type of gun manufacturer in the United States. Uh, and, and, uh, and then I don't know where the government is going to get its weapons from. Are they going to have to buy them from abroad? You know, maybe. Uh, that doesn't seem like it's good for a national security type thing. You know, where are the police going to get their weapons? Where are the military going to get their weapons? Or <clears throat> will it be a, a special thing where they say, well, you can only be sued, but to a certain extent, so you can still make guns for us? You know, I don't know. Uh, but again, if, if they did that, you, people would go back and would just sue the pants out of, or sue the pants off the, all these gun manufacturing companies. And even if let's say that they sue them. And even if every single case they lost, it would still bankrupt them because they still have to, all they would be doing was putting all their money into defending lawsuits. And then also at that point, what they would do is they would just say, it's, it's not viable. We we're getting sued 10 times a day, every day for millions of dollars. And we can't even concentrate on running our manufacturing plants. So again, it would, it would spell the end of that section of manufacturing in this country. However, I don't think that's going to happen. And again, for, for some of the reasons I had stated before, I think it would open up the doors too wide to, to other things that they want protected. One of the other things that he talked about was the uh, pistol braces. And I think we had gotten a preview of this prior to Trump's departure. And again, this all could have been taken care of any time during Trump's uh, tenure in office. But, you know, he said, Oh, I'm the most uh, pro second amendment president that's ever been. No, he wasn't. It's, it's demonstrably clear that he wasn't, he did zero for us, nothing. In fact, all he did was ban bump stocks. So all he did was strike a blow against us. If you can show me where he actually did pro gun stuff that benefited not just an individual, but benefited us as the community and us as American citizens, I'd like to see it because I don't know of anything. I really don't know of anything that he did. Anyway, what I think Biden will do is he is going to do because he can't get, again, he won't be able to get maybe this through Congress. He is going to, uh, with who he has as his attorney general and who he is, who he's, probably put in, or if if that person doesn't cooperate in the ATF, the head, they'll get rid of them. They'll chuck that dude in the garbage can and they'll put somebody in there that'll play ball. And the thing with all these bureaucracies and all these bureaucrats is what they want more than anything, even more than power, what they want is that pension, right? They they don't want to lose that. So if you get a guy, you're going to say you're going to be fired and we're going to take away your pension from you. Guess what? That guy is going to fold faster than Superman on laundry day. They're going to get no resistance. So I think what we're going to see is that the, the um, Biden administration is going to instruct the ATF through the Attorney General, through the Justice Department, to look at things like uh, even though there was a ruling on bump stocks they're gonna they're gonna go after bump stocks again I can almost guarantee that they're going to go after the pistol braces because then they basically said that that that's what they're going to do I think what the ATF is they're going to now come up with a ruling that uh, that it is a stock that most of these things are stocks and that if you shoulder them you're in violation, you're, you've, you've got a short barrel rifle. If you even put one on and you don't have a valid medical reason that you, that is demonstrable in court. So meaning that you can still get a brace and you can still have a AR pistol or a PCC type, you know, pistol, but you're going to if you want that brace and be able to use that brace, you're going to have to have something from some type of medical entity whether it's your doctor, whether it's a physical therapist, that states you have some legitimate medical problem to use this brace. And I don't think it's going to be like the handicap placards that doctors just hand out like candy uh, to anybody that kind of wants one. I think with something like this, and especially if they say, well, they're going to put the pressure on the medical community by saying, "Well, you can be liable then if you if you if you knowingly say this guy needed a brace when he didn't." Uh, so I don't know. I I I think there will be lawsuits. Um, we'll kind of see on that. Uh, what was the other thing? Um, oh, so the other thing that he talked about was, you know, the dreaded ghost guns—the things with no serial numbers. So. As almost everybody knows who's listening to this show, you can, it is perfectly legal in the United States, although there may be some states that say you can't do it now. I don't know. Uh, But at least in my state where I live, it's perfectly legal and most states. It's perfectly legal for you to build your own firearm. And as long as you're not selling it, now you can sell it if you serialize it, I believe. But you don't have to have a serial number on there. And even if you did, here's the, here's the dumb thing. Even if you did, the serial number does you no good unless you've registered it. So if, if somebody, let's say, goes down to Home Depot, picks up two pieces of pipe, a couple of, of, uh, end caps and a nail and welds that thing and makes a little slam fire shotgun. So what if they put a, a serial number on there? What, what was that? What would that prove? how would anybody ever prove that you made that and if you had it and it had a serial number and they you know came in and found it in your possession how could they prove that you made it because it, it, there's there's no unless you register the thing right and then they also they they want to do is because they understand that they want to make pretty much any part of a gun a gun is what they're going to look to do long term so that when you buy uh, the rails for the Glock frame that you've 3D printed it's a serialized part and it's registered to you either you have to go through an ATF, not an ATF, you have to go through an FFL or you have to uh, a place like Brownells has to take your information and send that in You know, so, so I don't know Uh, under that scheme, would you, if you needed to buy a, a new recoil spring, is that still going to be part of the gun? Just a spring, you know, I, I don't know. So anyway, I'd mentioned the stuff about the 3d printing and this is what they're terrified of, right? They think, and again, some people would say, oh, they know the difference that you can't just print the whole gun. No, they don't. They really don't. Most of them have, they don't care. It's not that they even want to know, they, they don't care. They don't even want the knowledge. So they're terrified of somebody being able to print any part of a gun that they can't control. And with the advances in 3D printing, with the, in, with the advances, and these will continue to advance, with the advances in the uh, polymers and the plastics and the materials that you're gonna use and how they adhere and, and the strength of those things, those are going to continue to be um, advanced forward. And what you're gonna see is as those advancements are made, the government is gonna wanna control that property. I don't know that they're ever gonna be able to, but they, they, uh, they probably will try. You know, it's funny. It seems that if the government is okay with you building something, if there are so few people that have the skills and it's inconvenient and it's difficult, then they're okay for you to do that. But the second that it's relatively easy to do and that the average person can do it, well, they don't like that. So right now you can go on YouTube and you can watch, I don't know, unless it's been taken down, You can watch a video of a guy that takes a bunch of aluminum cans, melts them all down, makes a blank, has the basic shape of uh, an AR-15 lower and then mills it all out because the guy's a machinist. Is that as strong as something? And I think I saw him do it, uh, I don't know if it was him or the same person, but I know another individual did it, made it out of brass. On that lower, is that going to be strong enough on some of the on some of the certain points in there? Probably, you know, would it last for thirty thousand rounds? I don't know. But the point is, is that the knowledge is out there and the skill set is out there for a lot of people. But once it becomes something where it's like a microwave, you can just throw it in there and push a button, and in twenty minutes it's done. They don't like that because they know that they can't control it. They know at that point that gun control at that point would be effectively dead. That anybody who wanted to print up a firearm or parts of a firearm, I guess I should say, could do it. Now, again, we've seen things like, uh, was it defense distributed, I think, makes the ghost gunner to where if you have um, maybe an 80% or a thing that is uh, kind of a blank um, to where it's... You know, you've got to finish. You know, the, the last twenty percent of it, or something like that. Even if you had one that was fifty percent, you can mill out the slide for a nineteen eleven, for a bunch of other stuff. Uh, and I think that thing only costs around maybe like twenty two hundred dollars. Maybe it's a little more. Maybe a little less. I don't remember. But the thing is, that technology will improve, and eventually, what you're going to be able to do is you're going to be able to buy a chunk of aluminum. And you're going to be able to put that thing into a, I don't know, we'll even say it's like the size of a suitcase, right? Or maybe even smaller. I don't know if you're you're only doing a, uh, if you're only doing maybe a pistol slide or an AR upper, it doesn't need to be that big. So something that's going to be the size, you know, of a, a good size 3D printer or you know a small little travel suitcase. We'll go back to that example. It's going to sit out on your workbench or on your kitchen table. You'll be able to put that thing in there, push a button. It'll do the uh, it'll do the milling for you, the initial milling. You'll take it, turn it, do whatever need the things that you need to do, and probably within a few hours, you're going to have a something that will go from a chunk of aluminum to and we'll just use this as an example a glock slide right Uh, or you know something very similar so i don't know you know are they going does the government want to do that stuff and again we talked about in the last show and i think maybe a little bit earlier in this show again it's the next day i don't remember exactly what i was talking about but we've talked about that the democrats always sort of overreach they get greedy and part of that is their strategy part of that is they know they're going to lose. And they're just hoping that out of the hundred things that they throw on the wall, if one of them sticks, it's a victory. And you kind of heard that even with Biden's speech where he said, if God came down and granted him one wish, he would take away the immunity of the gun manufacturers from being sued. Because again, like we had said before, that would effectively, end gun manufacturing in this country. They, they would not be able to defend uh, uh, against the tsunamis of lawsuits that would come their way. They would go bankrupt and eventually it would be, it just wouldn't be worth it because it wouldn't be a viable business model. You couldn't make money. Now, I think there were some other things that Biden had talked about and uh, I don't really remember them too much, but most of it was kind of typical political babble uh, and typical anti-gun rhetoric. So anyway, I did want to kind of get this in with the show. I didn't want to, and I'll probably go ahead and like I said, today's Thursday. I'll probably go ahead and pop this thing up today. Uh, But again, if you guys have some thoughts or opinions on that, let me know. I'd love to hear from you. If I've got anything wrong uh, in my little mini rant here, let me know as well. Uh, like I said, if I've, if I've got procedures or maybe even something that he said wrong, let me know. All right. Uh, I will. The next thing you hear will, I, I guess, be the outro. I'll just dump this in somewhere. Uh, if you guys want to talk to me or, or leave some feedback or maybe argue with me on something, that's fine. Or just uh, send in something to say hello, and your first name and where you're from, that type of deal. I'd love to hear from you. So I'll give you that stuff again. Voicemail, area code 206 745 2731. Email address to send your uh, emails or your recorded audio to, or even links to the articles that you think might be interesting, uh, is Firearms Cafe at protonmail.com firearmscafe at protonmail p-r-o-t-o-n-m-a-l.com all right my friends and fellow travelers i will talk to you guys next time
1: I'm in trouble, black coffee, I see trouble, man, 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 I'm not going to get home. Black coffee, I'm so it. black coffee, please get it. Oh, 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 help me to get home. Black coffee, I'm in trouble, I'm so dizzy, please get dizzy. I'm not gonna get home. I'm in trouble. I'm so dizzy. Things get triple. Oh, oh, oh. No, I'm not gonna get home.